So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Commander Mark Devine coming at you from sunny and warm San Diego, California, where we are live with the Unbeatable Mind podcast. This week, I am super stoked to have Tom Bayou as a guest. Now, Tom is the co-founder and president of Quest Nutrition, which makes protein bars and other really yummy and health healthy uh, supplemental uh, Food stuff, I guess you'd call it, for athletes and warriors. And the, co- the company is growing really fast. It's available in uh, over 70 countries now. They've got over 2 million followers and tribal fans, I would say, uh, through their social media kind of network. It was named the second fastest growing company by the Inc. 5000, second fastest growing company in North America. Um, of course, Tom uh, is not beholden to just uh, the quest for perfect food, but also the quest to, as he explained to me, free people from the Matrix. So Tom, I'm excited to talk about that. I actually just saw the, the Matrix trilogy back to back when I was traveling last week. And what a, nice. cool, what a cool metaphor. That's free people from the Matrix today. Absolutely. So Nice to meet you. Where, uh, where do you hail well. from? Uh, I was born and raised in Tacoma, Washington, but I moved down here to L.A. when I was 18 and, and have uh, never returned. So I've been here now for over 22 years or something. Okay. L.A. Man, yes. It takes some mental toughness to live there, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. That For me, the pursuit of a big city was a big thing. Like Growing up in Tacoma, I loved it. I thought it was beautiful, absolutely gorgeous corner of the world, but just not a big enough city for me, not even Seattle. Uh, really wanted to be, it was either for me, New York or LA and, and came here for school and fell in love with everything about the city. Right. So let's, um, tell us about a little bit about your life. You know, you, you're obviously an athlete. What is, uh, what sports do you do play and, or, you know, pursue and tell us a little about yourself. Sure. So the irony is that I, I would put myself in many categories, but athlete is probably not one of them. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, I've used athletic endeavors to get at my mind. So I spend a lot of time in the gym. Uh, but for me, the act of going to the gym, which I actually don't enjoy intrinsically at all, mm-hmm. but for me, what I've in doing that training, what I've been able to do to my mind is very useful. And that notion of, you know, doing things that are useful in terms of the pursuit of your own goals to me is everything. So I show up every day in the gym, um, because I want to do those, 
those micro moments of pushing yourself beyond your limits. So going in, enduring a certain level of suffering in service of a goal, like those things stack on themselves and they begin to become part of your internal narrative. So mm -hmm. for me, just showing up, it's like, hey, I've got this ability to be disciplined to show up every day in the gym and this is proof that I was able to do it. You know, let's say I woke up really tired or I got a really bad night's sleep and I'm exhausted. The last thing I want to do is go to the gym. When you step into the gym and you face that, that's a victory and, and that all becomes part of that mental narrative. And then for me, it was transforming my physique. That was a really big deal for me. So I grew up a little bit chubby in a morbidly obese family, by the way. So mm. surrounded by people that were struggling catastrophically wow. uh, with their bodies and didn't want to fall prey to that. And as I got into my mid-20s, realized, whoa, like I'm, I'm really starting to get heavy now and I don't know why. And I didn't wow. understand nutrition. Right. Um, and I, you know, as they say, you can't outrun a bad diet. So for me, learning nutrition was step one, then getting into the gym regularly and in transforming my body, transforming my mind. Wow, that's fascinating. I can imagine um, the sense of urgency you felt there. So yes. let me ask you a few questions so that we can kind of get to the root of your uh, your character, so to speak. And this is not meant to make you uncomfortable at all, but just, you know. No, I love it. Let's get crazy. What, what, yeah, whatever comes to mind. But um, why don't you tell us about your, the first thing that comes to mind, the, the worst moment in your life, like a real low point. That's easy. I spent eight and a half years of my life chasing money. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was going to bring me happiness, and it absolutely did not. And my partners and I had built a technology company. It was very successful. In 2010, that company was named as the 42nd fastest-growing company in North America by Deloitte. Okay. Uh, and I'm literally at home thinking, I'm making money. I'm winning awards. I have every marker of success that people tell me is supposed to mean something. And I am truly in just a dark place in my mm -hmm. life. And I, I said to my wife, I can't keep doing this. Like mm -hmm. I, I'm having an emotional crisis and I felt like I was wasting my life and I, there's no more terrifying feeling for me than that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, I said to my wife, look, I'm, I'm going to throw this all away. I've got to quit. I've got to get out of this. Uh, and she said something just incredibly powerful to me. And she said, I bet on you. Mm, um, and I gave me the chills just saying it now. So it, you know, it's one of those moments where that person who you've just invested in, in your life. And I know that you've had a, mm -hmm. you've talked very eloquently about your own wife and how, when you haven't bonded with people previously and you find somebody that you really bond with, like you're willing to fight for that. Mm -hmm. And so when she said, you know, look, I bet on you, that gave me the freedom to, to walk in the next day to my partners and say, I'm not willing to keep doing this. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so this is at the height of our success. Wow. So, and I walk in and I say, you know, for me, this is it. And saying that out loud gave them the chance to say, oh, my God, we're not happy either. And then that changed everything. And the three of us decided to sell that company and found something based on passion. And that ended up being Quest. Wow. So you may have already answered it, but my follow-up question is going to be, what, what was the high point so far in your life? I mean, what, is, what comes to mind as a, a real high point or a number one moment? I'll give you two answers. One is probably the most truthful, but it is so boring and pat that I'll give you a more interesting one. <laughs> so I, I'm a huge believer in relationships and right. my wife sits at the center of my universe. Right. Um, and we recently bought a, a home together that's a reflection of all the years of struggle. And, you know, when my wife and I got married, we were clipping coupons. I'm not kidding. And just, I, I made her poor for a very long time. And so to finally have 
uh, some fruits of the labor and carry her across the threshold of our new house was just amazing. And it was just such a, a rad moment. I'll give you another one, though, that's maybe a little more off the beaten path. And that's my sister, who was a huge driver for me in founding Quest, because I, to me, I wanted to save my mom and my sister. That was my stated goal going into this. And they'd both been morbidly obese, you know, my mom for my entire life and my sister for her entire adult life. Um, and just wanted to see her get out of that emotionally dark and difficult time that she was in. So I thought, okay, well, if I can give her food that she chooses based on taste and it happens to be good for her, she can continue to use food as a coping mechanism, but it ends up getting her in a virtuous cycle. So when she feels bad, she eats something that's actually good for her, that she wants to eat, that does soothe her emotions, but then she starts losing weight and feeling better, and and it worked. And since we wow. launched the company, my sister's lost over 120 pounds, and recently, about uh, two and a half weeks ago now, has come on board here at Quest, moved her entire life from Washington down to Los Angeles. And she's just a joy of a human being to be around and to watch her go through that psychological transformation, like forget the body. Yeah. To me, the body is just a reflection of the mind. Mm -hmm. So as she was getting her body together and, and finding pride in the discipline of doing the work and eating right and all that, she truly emotionally transformed. And to see her come in here and have big impact right away and to see people fall in love with her personality and her skill set, man, that gets to me emotionally. It's so beautiful. It's awesome. That is an incredible story. Thanks for sharing that. Wow. What a powerful impact. So that's very cool. Now what we're leading to is tell us what your purpose is in life. Like when you get up every day, why do you do it? What, what, what's, your, what's your hair on fire purpose? Truly to free people from the matrix. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for a kid that was, you know, I was probably 21 when that movie came out, it, it really hit me hard. So I felt like my, I was lost. I had no idea how to make my dreams come true. I went to film school and back in the early 90s, to make a movie, you needed $100,000 or more mm -hmm. just to do an ultra low budget. There were no high quality video cameras on the market like mm -hmm. exist today. So it was really an expensive endeavor. So I just found myself paralyzed. I had no idea how to move forward in the career that I was passionate about. So I was selling insurance door to door. I was doing telemarketing. Um, I considered myself the king of remedial jobs, which is a whole <laughs> other story. I was, it was a joke. And, and unfortunately shows the mindset that I had, which is I had a fixed mindset. If you're familiar with Carol Dweck's amazing book, Mindset, I had a fixed mindset. I believed that my talents and intelligence were fixed and there was nothing I could do to improve them. So I was trying to prove to the world that my level of smartness was impressive. So I would put myself in front of only people that I was smarter than. Uh, so I would apply for jobs where I knew I'd be smarter than the person interviewing me. I knew I'd be offered the job, so it would be very emotionally gratifying. But then you find yourself taking really stupid jobs. Mm -hmm. And that movie, The Matrix, really showed me, wait a second, what I'm trapped in, what The Matrix is actually made of are my own thought patterns, my belief system, the, the construct, the views by which I look at the world. Mm -hmm. And if I change them and realize that I can learn Kung Fu, that I could change everything. So for me, that set me on a path of learning. And then I encountered the guys who are now my business partners, and they were successful entrepreneurs who offered to really teach me the mindset of an entrepreneur, which then continued to change everything. And since then, my life has really been this snowball effect, building up to having control of my life, having a growth mindset always putting myself in positions where I can learn from somebody they're smarter than me. And I just collect those talents, those skills, 
and have used all those newly acquired skills to execute truly, truly on the life of my dreams. Utterly incredible. Now that fills me, to really answer your question, that fills me with this sense of an absolutely compulsive need to give that gift to other people, to show them that they are capable of making whatever crazy life they're imagining for themselves, you can make that come true, mm-hmm. right? You, you couldn't have told me when I was 18 that I would one day build a company worth over a billion, that's with a B, over a billion dollars and have done it from scratch wow. without raising capital, just by following, following my passion, that's important, but executing on my passion, mm-hmm. acknowledging the gap in skill set between who I am today and who I needed to become to do that and relentlessly acquiring those skills. Mm -hmm. And I think when people are told to follow their passion, they miss that absolutely critical step of execution. Mm -hmm. But it, and it changed everything. And it was that simple, it's, you know, I mean, it took a while to do, but that simple turning the corner of going from a fixed mindset, my talents and intelligence are fixed to a growth mindset of I can learn anything. I can get good at anything through discipline practice. That's terrific. So what you've just kind of described is uh, what you alluded to as an entrepreneurial mindset. Now, could you more succinctly, like in, in you know, five bullets or so, tell us what the entrepreneurial mindset is according to Tom Bilyeu? Yeah, um, Bilyeu, yeah, for Bilyeu? sure. Bilyeu, sorry. No, no worries. Trust me, I mess it up myself sometimes. Don't feel bad. <laughs> uh, so yes, the key, there's a few keys. So and I actually wrote the quest, what we call the quest belief system in 25 bullets. Mm. And those really are the 25 bullets that totally outline this. And I'll give you a, just a shorthand one in a second. But for anybody that wants to see the full 25 bullet points, you can get them on insidequest.com. Uh, we put them up there for people to see. But basically, if you believe that human potential is nearly limitless and you believe in a growth mindset and that you can acquire a new skill at any time, and then you set about identifying those skills that you need to overcome all the obstacles that will come your way to get where you're going, you're on the right path. For me, the biggest difference between someone with an entrepreneurial mindset and someone who doesn't have it is how they react when they hit an obstacle. Um, I think the world breaks into two mentalities. You've got people that have an employee mentality, and then you have people that have an entrepreneurial mentality. People with an employee mentality, they love obstacles because when they hit them, it means they get a stop. Somebody with an entrepreneurial mentality gets pissed when they hit an obstacle because now they have to work that much harder because Mm -hmm. the very notion of giving up doesn't even occur to them. Mm -hmm. So you actually had somebody on your podcast, the author of Fearless. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry I'm forgetting his name. But he was talking about all these guys whose stories he had told in his books and how you know, these are guys, one guy had his fingers crushed off in a Humvee accident only mm-hmm. to come back and be a sniper on his weak eye. I mean, it was like that to me, that's the entrepreneurial spirit. Mm-hmm. They didn't go, oh, I guess I never get to be a sniper again. They just, okay, I'm going to have to work harder. This isn't going to be as easy as, you know, for me as it will be for the next guy. But giving up, like that doesn't even cross their mind. Mm-hmm. That's terrific. So who uh, were your... Who was your mentor or did you have more than one that, you know, that really propelled you in the entrepreneurial world? For me, the most profound mentors that I've had have been books. Mm -hmm. There's no question. So I'm a voracious reader and I'm a kid that hated, hated reading in high school. Hmm. So if, you know, if your listeners are listening now and they think, oh man, I really hate to read. First of all, audio books were the salvation for me because I'm a very slow reader, but I can digest, um, 
information auditorily very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, so I listen to books at 3x so I can get them very, very fast. Hmm. And that, that's a big deal. So I've gone from mentor to mentor to mentor. Um, in fact, a guy, I, you may have heard of him, Mark Devine, uh, is my, <laughs> my current mentor as I'm reading his book, uh, which is absolutely astonishing, man. Honestly, like for me to, to have the chance to really research you before this podcast was, was amazing. And <laughs> your ability to not only talk about mental toughness, which then people normally spill into this realm of like, ultra aggression, mm -hmm. uh, imagery of, you know, killing and slaughtering and which by the way, can be incredibly motivating. Yes. But then you also talk about the power of getting control of your emotions. And I was mm -hmm. like, Whoa, this guy can span like this massive, just chasm that most people can't cross of, of everything in between the ultra aggressive and meditation, right? Mm -hmm. And you normally get people, they could talk about meditation, but they, there's something in their rhetoric that belies the, that there is a part of man's nature that is aggressive, mm -hmm. that longs to dominate, yeah. that dominate themselves if no one else, right? Right. And then there's guys that talk about the aggression, the dominance, all that, but they, they, uh, don't show any sort of reverence or understanding for quiet, peaceful moments of mm. being centered and really finding your true north. So dude, your ability to do that to me is absolutely astonishing. And so, you know, to bring it back to mentors, I really have gone just from mentor to mentor to mentor like that That's cool. through books. And then the, the guys that are my business partners now were profound mentors for me early in my career, for sure. Mm -hmm. Now, how did you connect with your business partners and how did that come about? I mean, because that obviously takes some, you know, emotional maturity to to be able to come together with team, you know, a teammate, form that, you know, form that vision and to trust each other, to support each other in, in the entrepreneurial endeavor like that. It really is like a marriage. Mm -hmm, and I'll, I'll tell you the, the sort of rudimentary nature of how we met, but keep that in the back of your mind because yeah. that really is, this was a lot of it's about chemistry. A lot of it's about connection, things that are somewhat ephemeral and hard Absolutely. to explain. Yeah. But they, they heard me give a talk. I was teaching film at the time and I was, um, also giving lectures on how to use media to influence behavior. Mm -hmm. And this is like early 2000s, like 2002, 2001, 2002 and there. So before a lot of this stuff is just ubiquitous on the internet, you could read all about this. I was approaching filmmaking and media as psychology. And so they heard me give this thing about um, psychology and media and how you could use it to influence behavior. And they thought, wow, this guy is really interesting. He has an interesting take. Let's hire him as a copywriter, mm -hmm. which was the only position that they had a need for at the company that they had just founded. But their pitch to me was, don't think of yourself like a copywriter. This is your opportunity to do whatever you want within this company. But the only way to advance is to be the best person for the job. So you can have a lot of learning to do. And then what they did was they created an environment where people were encouraged to reach outside of their box, to think beyond the limits of their job description, and really fight to acquire new skills to get to that next level. And I was just young enough, uh, just dumb enough maybe to take them seriously. And I came in like a storm and just started, you know, trying to get new skills, new skills, new skills to move my way up, uh, which I did. And, you know, ultimately by the time we sold the company eight and a half years later, they had made me a partner in the mm -hmm. company. And I was the chief marketing officer and, and you know, just learned a, an immeasurable amount of stuff. So, but over the years to get to your point about the, the needed emotional maturity, man, here's something people would be utterly shocked. So first of all, my business partners have, you know, I have maybe a physique, but my business partners have like for real physiques. Like these guys are not <laughs> playing around. Uh, my business partner, Ron, is yoked. This kid is massive. 
So you look at these guys and you would think these are not guys that talk about emotion, right? right. Uh, but we do. And mm-hmm. we'll have a meeting specifically where the agenda is, hey, man, the thing you did there or the way that you're addressing this problem like that, that makes me feel bad. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, That's it, awesome. It's like the kinds of conversations you would have with your wife where it's like, <laughs> hey, man, just emotionally that doesn't feel good to me. And so we just said, look, for a long time, we said our highest priority in business is profits. And we had a commitment to each other that we were going to get rich. And that was above everything else. So if I had to be a dick to you to get you to do something that needed to be done for more profits, I would do it. And that was why at the end of all that, we were just exhausted. Mm -hmm. We were not doing anything we believed in. We were treading on the friendship. Like It was honestly towards the end of our last company, the friendship was wearing thin. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized, hold on a second. My actual, like if I'm honest, my highest value in business, my highest value in business is camaraderie. And I remember when I said that, I thought this is heresy in this Mm. group to admit that anything other than profitability and the acquisition of wealth is my highest priority, Mm -hmm. but it really is. And when I said that, they were like, oh my God, thank, thank you for saying it. It's actually mine too. And we put our hands in a pile and we said from now on, the brotherhood comes first, money comes second. If we can you know, build an amazing business, bringing value to people and the money comes great. But at the end of the day, the brotherhood is the thing we protect above all else. Mm-hmm. And then everything changed. And just operating from that position of like really having love and compassion for these two other guys whom honestly, if I'm ever find myself in a Thai prison, they're the ones that are going to get me out. Right? Like that's <laughs> the level of emotional ownership we have over each other. Mm-hmm. And it's just putting that front and center and saying, look, I want to build a rad business and I want to do something that really brings value to the customer. But I also consider it the highest priority to protect mm-hmm. our friendship. And then then it just got fun, man. And we were having a great time and we were able to make way better choices for the business because we weren't worried about money anymore. We didn't think about profitability. We just thought about value. That's terrific. Have you investigated uh, any of the Options for conscious capitalism, such as uh, public benefit corp or B corporation status, that type of thing, where you firmly commit in your charter to having an impact at a social level, at an environmental level, at a you know for your employees as well as for profit. So you end up becoming a, what they call a quadruple bottom line organization. Yes, very much. So we have, while I wouldn't say that we're a shining example from a structural perspective mm-hmm. of that, I'll mm-hmm. give you some things that we're doing. So first of all, we have a, a commitment inside the company to be the best thing that's ever happened to our employees. Nice. I think sometimes we, we're currently falling on our face, but we look at this business, we're not interested in selling. Uh, so this is a 25-year movement for mm-hmm. us. So you know, we're putting those things in place so that we can truly, I want every employee to say that Quest was an inflection point in my life and my life is fundamentally better for being involved with this company than any other company that I've ever encountered. And that's going to be a lot of things from Mm -hmm. benefits and unexpected things. Like I think employers need to take on a huge burden of education Mm -hmm. for their employees. I think the traditional education model is kind of starting to crumble a little bit. You're just walking out with way too much debt and not enough useful skill. And so I think coming into an organization that can give you real skills that you can apply in your career, whether it's here or elsewhere, and that's another big commitment that we make to people. I'm not trying to make you just the best employee here. I'm trying to arm you with the skills you will need to follow your dreams. If your dreams take you away from me, like I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of things, we're, we've made huge investments, huge investments into cancer research uh, that we're doing through a nonprofit, um, just trying to figure out if 
if cancer, and we have reason to believe that it is, but it's a hypothesis, but if cancer is a metabolic disease, then it's going to be a food company that's going to solve it, not a drug company. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're, we're putting huge resources just into asking questions and trying to get answers that will hopefully provide directional evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not interested in publishing papers. We're not trying to make drugs. Like We just want to know, how does food impact this? What position can we play on it? And just so people understand like the truth of what we like that we're not interested in doing this just to sell more product. Almost certainly a huge part of the answer when you're dealing with cancer is starvation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which means eat less of my stuff, right? Eat less of everything. <laughs> so looking at all of that, but truly being able to answer that question because I know it will impact either me directly or me indirectly from someone that I love. Um, it's, it's just so important. And, you can't imagine, like mm-hmm. in our own company, once we put up the flag and said, guys, this is something we believe in, we feel we can contribute meaningfully to, and we're going to be going hard on this, people came out of the woodwork. I have cancer, my mom has cancer, my dad has cancer. So we sort of informally advise and work with people's doctors on the nutritional side of things. Hey, here's what we're learning, here's where the directional evidence is pointing to, uh, but it's really, really fascinating. And And again, it's just commitment to social good rather than just dollars that's terrific yeah thank you for doing that that's really um that's very powerful so, pleasure. um yeah you shared so much what do you consider to be your biggest strength as an entrepreneur and your and your unique contribution to your company quest i will tie this back to a series that you're doing right now on emotional control mm-hmm I'm really, really good at controlling my emotions. Now, that wasn't always the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, like anybody else, I used to be totally at the whims of my emotions. And if I was angry, then I acted in accordance with anger. Uh, if I was fearful, I acted in accordance with fear. And then I developed a new mindset and started asking myself of everything I do and believe, what moves me towards my goals? If it moves me towards my goals, I'm going to do it. If it doesn't move me towards my goals, I'm not going to do mm-hmm. it. And, and that was a big turning point in my life. And I think the lessons that you're putting out there are so spot on in terms of the way that you can learn to control mm-hmm. your emotions. I, I will encourage your audience, for anyone who hasn't already listened to those, they're magnificent. Uh, and whether you're at the beginning of your journey of controlling your emotions or you're deep in, you've been doing it for years, like there's still just amazing stuff to glean from that. That's cool. Thanks for saying that. No, I mean, it's absolutely true. What is your, uh, just, you know, I know we're running out of time here, but I want to just keep on drilling into you because you're such a fascinating guy. But what do you consider to be your weak point? Like where, what are you working on right now? Because you know, you've got a, a gap and you need to, to shore that up. So I think as we scale, it's really highlighting weaknesses in my current strategies. Mm -hmm. So my current strategies really involve a lot of one-on-one stuff. So I've spent so much time getting good at direct psychology. So I can have somebody sitting across from me and I can sort of read into where they are in their own mental, emotional journey of getting control. I can see, does this person have control? Do they not have control? what's sort of their general personality type, if you will. And, and I'm big into, and I don't have a name for this yet. Someday I will come up with one. But the if you know about genetics versus epigenetics, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Epigenetics seems like it's going to be a much bigger part of the puzzle than genetics itself. So genetics are your code. Supposedly, hey, you're going to get cancer because you have this marker. You're mm-hmm. going to get Alzheimer's or you know whatever. But then we find some do, some don't. Right. 
and that epigenetics, the environmental factors, actually play a much bigger role because they either turn that gene on and express it or they turn it off. Mm -hmm. And so I find that's true of personality. While you may have a base personality type, it's really the epigenetics of, okay, with your personality type and how you grew up and the things that you encountered and you know, all the things that have happened to you in your life, how, have, how has that personality type actually expressed itself mm -hmm. um, is, is far more interesting. So I'm trying to, one, get better at the, the epigenetic side of that to mm -hmm. go beyond the base personality, which I think I'm very good at identifying, but it's much more difficult to get into the nuance mm -hmm. and then at scale. So how do I do this without actually touching the individual? Mm. So when we were a small company, there's 25 people. It's easy, right? Cult of personality. Everyone saw me every day. I could hit people with the vision. I, they could see my mindset work over and over, like a big one, right? You tell people, hey, it's okay here to be wrong. Like mm -hmm. this is a safe place to make mistakes. Don't fight for bad ideas just to avoid being wrong. That's not a winning strategy. So but if you never see the leadership do it, if you never see somebody call me out on being wrong, and then I'm like, oh my God, you're right. I am wrong. That's amazing. Thank you so much. You've just empowered me. Like when they see that reaction, they think, whoa, maybe it actually is okay to be wrong. And that the most important thing you could do for the health of the company is to just own it as quickly as possible, learn from it, and then put energy as a thank you to show gratitude to the person who called it out, obviously assuming they do it in a constructive way. They're not trying to be an ass about it. But that was easy when we were small. As mm -hmm. we get bigger, I'm not yet good enough at that. I'm not mm -hmm. yet good enough at training the people that see me every day. I'm very good at training them. The mm -hmm. people they see every day, so far, I'm not great at. So mm -hmm. that's a big focus for me right now. Yeah, I understand that one too. Excellent. So um, a couple more things and then I'll let you go upon your busy day. But um, can you share uh, one habit that you have that you do every day that has had a profound impact on your performance or and or productivity? I show up to the gym every day. Good for that, you. that for me is critical. Mm -hmm. So going in and working out, it's uh, one, it does wake the body and the mind up. There's no question mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. And then two, routinely proving something to myself is so awesome for my confidence mm -hmm. that, yeah, you know what? Like when I do that rep, that sucks. That one where you're mm -hmm. quad, like today my quads were on fire mm -hmm. and it's like, you got to keep going and you push through that. You just, you learning something about yourself every day. And that JJ Watt quote to me is so critical. Success is not owned. It's leased and rent is due every day. And <laughs> the gym it. to me is such a critical reminder of that. Like my ass does not just get a, get a physique once and then have it forever. Mm -hmm. I've got to go in and earn it every day. Right. And that's such a potent reminder to me that I've got to show up to the company every day. And I've got to, I've got to keep pushing it forward. There's no homeostasis here, right? right. You're either growing or you're dying. And so having that reminder is, is super impactful. That is music to my ears. And that kind of brings me to my last question. And, and you've already probably uh, given us these three things, but what are, what are your top three things that our Unbeatable Mind community could learn from you that would improve their lives you know, immediately? The most important thing is you've got to have a growth mindset. Mm. Like that is the bedrock foundation for me. If you want to have success in your life, I, and I don't care in what area, whether mm -hmm. you're just trying to be an amazing parent, mm -hmm. uh, whether you're trying to be an entrepreneur and build a business, having a growth mindset. So you know, I've, I've talked about that, but just put it really succinctly. Once you believe that you can acquire any talent, 
skill or even push your level of intelligence, once you believe that's all within your control through discipline practice, everything changes. The next is to take responsibility for everything. Mm-hmm. Now, what do I mean by that? Uh, my wife is British. Let's say, she, and that's true, let's say that she were home in London. She's safe and sound in the bedroom that she grew up in. She, her mom's there, the alarm's on, and right then a meteorite comes screaming through the atmosphere, crashes into her bedroom, and kills her. I tell that story in interviews all the time, and I ask, whose fault is that? Now, if they're not guessing what they think, I think the answer is, uh, they're going to say it's uh, dumb luck, divine providence, fate, force mm-hmm. majeure, whatever. It's something out of anyone's control. Now, truly, truly, what I'm about to say is true, Mark. I believe to the core of my being that that's my fault. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason I believe that that's my fault is I know right now, it's all true. There is a group. They track what are called near-Earth objects. Uh, they're trying to find some way to knock them off course if one ever comes and is on a collision course with Earth through planted nuclear explosions, lasers, whatever the case is going to be, but they're trying. Now, I know they exist, and I've never sent them a dime of money. I've never sent them uh, an encouraging email. I've never called them up to give them my ideas. Nothing. Now, I know they exist, and I've done none of that. That is, that is me actively not doing something. Right. Now, I think that's smart, because I think the likelihood of my wife being killed by a meteorite is virtually zero. <laughs> but should it happen, I'm not going to waste time saying that that was somebody else's fault. Right. So to me, it comes, this is my number two here. For me, it comes down to, Being victimized may be inevitable, but being a victim is a choice. Mm -hmm. So I refuse to let myself be a victim. So bad things are going to happen to me. There's no question. I am, as of yet, unable to control everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I I accept that I can always make a change. And that's what I mean by, you know, accepting that it's your fault is, is simply to say there's always a different choice you could make moving forward. Mm-hmm. And once you own that, it, it doesn't burden you, it liberates you. Because now I'm, nothing is ever final. Failing does not make me a failure. Oh, I failed? Cool. I can learn from that now and make a different choice. So that's very freeing. And then the last thing, number three, read every day. Read, read, read. It's, it has fundamentally changed my life. Um, I have a thing that hangs behind my head that says I-I equals I-O, which means ideas in equal ideas out. So if you're not getting new, fresh ideas into your mind, you're not going to make these unique connections that are uniquely you that allow you then to approach the world in a way that is special and unique and different. And I think that that's a really big motivator for people is to know in what way they are that unique snowflake, Mm -hmm. as cheesy as that is. Like we all want to know like, hey – what am I doing here that's different? And I think the human mind, one of the things that makes it most powerful is its ability to make connections. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't uh, think I'm special because I've thought of things nobody else has thought of before. I think that's probably pretty tough to do at this mm-hmm. point. We've had you know, the written word for mm-hmm. so long. Most of the ideas that have been thought are probably already thought of. Mm-hmm. But what <laughs> every one of us can do is make unique connections that are unique to us and our experience. So I'm just trying to get as many ideas in as I can and then see, whoa, what happens if I put this idea with that idea and how does it come out? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, really amazing and to me is a fundamentally enjoyable way to approach the world. Fantastic. Terrific. I totally agree with And those three points are terrific, but thank you so much for sharing them. Hey, um, so folks, uh, Tom, Tom's uh, personal blog website, uh, he referenced it earlier, is InsideQuest.com. I've been looking at it while you've been talking. It's fantastic. I, I like it. I actually just sent a note to my team saying, hey, what a cool model for, for my personal website, which uh, is under development uh, for nice. the last three years. 
<laughs> other, other priorities, of course, have gotten in the way. I know but, how uh, that goes. Yeah, so check out the reading list. Uh, super nice uh, list of books. I've already ordered The Mindset because I have not seen that by Carol Dweck. So that's on the way. I'm going to check that out. Maybe someday we'll see Unbeatable Mind on there. Hint, hint. How cool would that be? Hell yeah. Yeah, I'm reading it now. I'm telling you, it's off to a great start. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, I would love to point our listeners to that um, list of 25 uh, things. So where is that on your site? I'm not finding it right off the bat here. All right. Let's see. You know what? As I said that, I thought, did they actually put it up on the site? Yeah. Uh, How about this? By the time this podcast goes live, I will make sure that it's up on the site. You can drop it in and do a search for Quest Belief System, and it pops up on Google as the number one result. But I'll get it on Inside Quest for sure. Cool. All right, Tom. So uh, thanks again. What an amazing uh, conversation. I really hope to meet you in person someday soon. I'm going to go check out your uh, food stuff. That's that's my collective term for anything that doesn't actually grow out of the ground. But I'm not, your stuff, I'm sure, is pretty darn close from what you've told me. So I'm looking forward to trying that. So everybody, awesome. help me figure out whether uh, the Quest uh, tribe of 2 million strong is onto something. So I'm going to go try out Quest products. And Tom, you know, the, the way he, uh, you think and the, you know, the learning momentum you have is fantastic. So I really honor that. And, and um I think that uh, you do have an unbeatable mind, and I'm super stoked to uh, get to know you, and maybe we can do something together in the future. Mark, I, A, I would love to have you on my show, Inside Quest. I think sure. you'd be an amazing guest. So we can, uh, we can do a trade now, and I get the chance to ask you questions. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. All right. Well, let's do that. That sounds great. Awesome, man. We will put it together ASAP. Sounds great. All right, Tom. Thank you very much again. And uh, unbeatable mind. uh, Stay focused. Train hard. um, But, of course, have fun in the process. And uh, we'll see you again next time on the Unbeatable Mind podcast. Hoo-yah. Commander Divine out. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.